Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is the podcast all about slow living in a fast-paced world. My name is Brooke McCallery. My name is Ben McCallery. Welcome to episode 260. Thank you. We are going to do a bit of an update. We are. An update podcast. It's not a hostful. It's the hostful when you're not having a hostful. But we received a number of questions during our tour on email, online, socials, in person, just about like the logistics of us traveling over mm-hmm. the last three to four months during the book tour. Things like how we did it, what did we do, Airbnb versus van and caravans, food, everything. So we're going to try and cover everything in a kind of quick fire episode, but then dig deep a little bit more and talk about maybe things we would have done differently in our darkest moments. Or <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, bit of fun this episode. Let's get into it. All right. Before we do get into it, you wanted to talk about the simple year. I did. So if you have been a long-time listener of The Poggy, you would know that I've been part of Simple Year for four years, I think, now. So Simple Year is Courtney Carver's Simple Living course, and it runs for 12 months, and each month follows a particular module, a particular topic to do with simplifying, slowing down, creating space in a busy life. And every month is run by a different Simple Living contributor. So this coming year, 2019, is the last year that Simple Year will be running. And it is an incredible lineup. Courtney's really shifted the way things are structured for 2019. This is like the bumper year of Simple Years. Well, it is. I mean, it's always been fantastic. No, no, it's always it's been, been wonderful, like, but she's really shifted things around like this year. It's like the swan song. Well, kind of, yeah. yeah. So... Let me just run through some of the contributors very briefly, because the reason I'm bringing this up now, being October 2018, is that registration is open for an early bird discount and that's for the 2019. One and that, well, look, you save a hundred dollars. Yeah, it's so substantial. it's a substantial saving when the course it's 199. If you purchase between now and the 14th of November mm-hmm. 2018, then you will save a hundred dollars. So these are your contributors. I won't list them all, but I I'll be there. I'm doing the January. Yes, I'll be there for you for January and I'm doing the decluttering module. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then you've got Zoe Kim who has written uh, Minimalism for Families and she's the founder of Raising Simple. Jules Clancy, one of my favourites, who runs the Stone Soup blog. So she will be talking about food, simplifying food. Colin Wright, who many of you would know, Mm -hmm. he was going to be teaching people about simplifying travel. Mm -hmm. You've got uh, Rebecca. need to talk to him. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Should have talked to him last year. Uh, Rebecca Shern, who is minimal wellness. So she talks a lot about self-care in August. Rachel Jonet, friend of the show, mm-hmm. is going to be talking about kids and family. So there's so many. I mean, okay, there's another two here that you may have heard of. The minimalists mm-hmm. will be tackling gifts in November, which will be timely. timely. And then Mark and Angel Chernoff as well from Mark, Mark and Angel Hack Life will be, will be looking at gratitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, in December. In December, yeah. So this whole course has been cr- created by Courtney Carver, who, as you probably know, is 
who is the founder of Be More With Less and has been on the show a number of times. And it's wonderful. So essentially, you everyone begins at the same time in January and you take these modules at your own pace, but typically you take at least the lessons with a whole group of people. So there's accountability, there's friendship, you get to create like-minded like relationships with like-minded people throughout the year. And included in all of that is a Facebook group, which is really active every year. And also Courtney's going to be holding live Q&A videos every month as well. So it's like, it's fantastic. And mm. if, if, if you want to find out more about it, the details, head over to slowyourhome.com. And at the top menu of the website, you'll see a link to Simple Year 2019. Just click on that and yeah. that will take you there. Excellent. And we do get an affiliate payment from that, don't we? Well, I'm part of the program. So yeah. yes, absolutely. Yeah. So you, if you're listening to this, please use slowyourhome.com. Yeah. If that's how you've heard about it, yeah. then that would be awesome for you to use our, our link so that Courtney knows where you've come from. And it's 33% off at the moment. It is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Win, win, win. So now until the 15th or 14th. 14th of November. Of November. Cool. All right. Now, we're going to do this podcast. Normally, we would have included these types of questions in a dedicated hostful, which we've got coming up in a couple of weeks. But because of the, the amount of questions we've got and the stage in which we are now, we thought we'd just tackle a whole episode just do a debrief. on the tour. Yeah in what the slow book tour has looked like. Mm -hmm. So a number of people ask, how have we done this? So let's look at, let's divide this all up into chunks. So how have we managed to do this right now? As in, what were the factors that contributed to us going on this book tour? When we decided to, to take the lead? Yeah. Yeah, I guess... It goes, like, it goes way back. That's what it I wanted goes to back do. Go to way back and look at September the... of last year, maybe yep. August. Mm -hmm. We were away camping uh, up in Byron Bay and I got an email saying that Slow had been picked up for publication in the States. Previous to that, you and I had spoken a lot on the podcast, but also privately about wanting to take a year to yeah. travel. Yeah. It's always had been something we wanted to do. We couldn't necessarily see how it was going to happen. I never even in no. my wildest dreams thought it could, could happen. But by this stage, you were self-employed. Things yep. had gone really, been going really well for a couple of years. And we figured that maybe, given the fact that the book was going to be published in the States and Canada, and they were happy to help me put together a book tour, that 2018 was the year to do it. Yes. And once we made that decision, it just... We just made it happen, which seems to be how we tend to, to do the big decisions in life. And then the rest of last year was about figuring out whether we wanted to sell our house or not, all of that kind of stuff. Which, which we've gone into. We have. Yeah. So we did end up selling the house, but as I'm kind of at pains to tell people, those two things weren't necessarily connected. We didn't have to sell the house in order to take the trip. It was just the right time for us to, to let go of that home. Mm -hmm. So we did. And in January, end of January this year, we, we headed off. I mean, we booked our tickets, what, three or four months out. We had February's accommodation organised. Mm -hmm. That was it. So let's get into the accommodation bit okay. because that, that time of year, so end of January is when the school goes back in Australia after the long summer break. We wanted to start new, so start afresh because we had the kids in homeschooling. Distance or ed, distance yeah. education, yeah. which I should say, which a number of people have asked. It's like homeschooling, but we get sent materials by 
a school in Sydney and we just facilitate. Yeah, that so we, the curriculum is not ours to yeah. establish. They've got teachers back in Sydney. Mm-hmm. They have a whole staff of support back in Sydney mm-hmm. should they need it. We're just like the, the day-to-day teaching. Yeah. So the time was right in, in January for us to do that. Yeah. So that's why we decided on that. Now, in talking about accommodation now, so what did we decide about accommodation and how we were actually structure the whole, you know, first half is holiday and then the, the book tour? So we knew that the first few months of the trip would be a lot different to the book tour. Um, our plan was to spend a month at a time in various places. So the first month, February, we spent in Canmore. March, we spent in Nelson in BC. April, we came back to Canmore, you know, and, yeah. and we broke it up in roughly month-long chunks. And we knew that staying in a hotel for more than a couple of days would have driven us mad and cost about three times as much. Mm. So it was always going to be Airbnb. And we used both Airbnb and VRBO for our accommodation. And we just found something that was within our budget. Yeah. And in the past, we've, we're big advocates for slow travel, and that is staying in, a, in somewhere for a long period of time just gives you that, oh, I don't know, a sense of community and you can explore more and yeah. all the rest of it. But also what we found out was when you do play, stay somewhere for, for a month at a time, you get a significant discount with a lot of places. Absolutely. Or you can request it. Yeah. And in some areas we've got, you know, 30 40% off yep. accommodation over a month because we're staying for that period of time. So that was like a mini hack that we sort of fell into and tried to structure the first half of our accommodation along those lines. Exactly, because staying in mountain towns, it's not cheap. So, no. you know, you're staying in an area where there is a lot of tourist activity, places are at a premium. So if you stay for longer than four weeks, typically you're able to ask for a discount. They're not always going to give you one, but... but you don't have to stay there either. Yeah, exactly. So that was one of the first things we discovered. Plus just being able to cook and oh, absolutely. do laundry at home. And although we have stayed in a few places without laundries and that's totally fine. But particularly the cooking thing has made a, a huge difference. And also just somewhere for the kids to unwind. Yeah. You know, pull out their Lego, pull out their colouring in books and just and make Be. make like make a mess. Make room, make a mess, make yeah. a make an area for themselves. Because yeah. honestly, traveling with kids, one of the things I have discovered very quickly is they need that. They mm. absolutely need that time. I mean, staying in hotels is a nightmare. If you're doing anything other than touristy stuff, staying in hotels is really tough. I mean, I don't mind staying in a hotel for a week if I'm eating every meal out and yeah. I've got nothing to yeah. do other than go to the beach or go to Whatever, but if you're trying to do anything like work or school, you, I, mean, I guess technically you can do it, but it's not that much fun. At all. Yeah. So why did we decide, because a lot of people have asked why we didn't decide to do the caravanning, camper van, so while we've been touring. You're talking about the book tour now? So now I'm, now I'm moving on to the book tour. Okay. Yeah, so why, why didn't we do that? Well, we did a bit of a test. So we, mm. we had a camper van up in the Yukon. We took two weeks up in the Yukon and drove the Dempster Highway. It was just a mind-bogglingly wonderful experience. Yeah. But it became really clear really quickly that that was not going to work as we drove across the states because, first of all, proximity to each other. You're working. This is one thing that is really important to know. You still work full-time. You just work Australian business hours. 
So you need space to take phone calls. You need a desk to sit down and work at. And while you're one of the most flexible, easygoing people when it comes to that sort of stuff, you still need it. Yeah. And a camper van was okay for two weeks, but mm. four months, mm. I, I don't think we would have been able to do it, honestly. Yeah. Hashtag van life would have look, looked a lot different for us. For sure. Yeah. And again, it's the same thing. It's like we took our life and we picked it up and we put it on the road. Yeah. This has not been a holiday. Mm-hmm. This has been picking up our life and putting it into a completely different set of circumstances. Uh, and the other thing that we realized with the camper van is those things are big. And imagine driving through LA. <laughs> First of all, where do you camp mm. in a big city? Mm. Uh, like genuinely, where do you camp? Yeah. Uh, and then how do you Walmart. drive around? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. But then I mean, just logistically speaking, I've been doing media. We've been doing events. Where do I do my hair? Where mm. do I do my makeup? When mm. do I have a proper shower? Mm. It just wasn't going to work. Again, if I wasn't working, if you weren't working, sure. Maybe. Because then we wouldn't have found ourselves in the middle of big cities all the time. So make it a different trip and I would totally camp a van. Mm. But with this tour, I'm so glad we had our minivan and our Airbnbs. Yeah. And if we stayed somewhere for only a night, we did a hotel. Because we could do it very close to a venue in the city and then get out straight away. Exactly. So that's sort of how the tour look like uh, for the majority of it. But tell me, why did we decide, well, what were the factors involved in choosing the stops on the tour? So initially, my US publisher, when they asked, well, when they said that they'd be happy to help me pull together a tour, they said, let's just, why don't you put together an itinerary Mm -hmm. of places that you know you have strong listenership in the podcast, that you want to visit, uh, and we'll see. And I kind of plugged that into a three-month-long itinerary. They went away and did the same thing, but with book markets, where they knew that they had strong options for books, like bookstores and people who they thought would be interested, media, that kind of stuff. And we overlaid the two itineraries Mm. and we Mm. basically kept the same, like the ones that were common across both of our itineraries were the stops that made it onto the tour. I mean, I've had so many people ask me, why we didn't go to X, Y, and Z. And because those places don't exist. <laughs> yeah, very good. I mean, the reality is we could have traveled for a year mm. and not gone everywhere we wanted to. Absolutely. And it's been really hard to have people constantly ask, why, well, you know, why can't you come here? Or could you do a second stop in this city? I'm like, if I could, I would. Yeah. But the reality is that the vast majority of our the tour was Mm self-funded as well Mm -hmm. and it's not like infinite our resources our time our money is not infinite and it hasn't helped with the australian dollar absolutely tanking against the u.s yeah thanks economy anyway (laughs) we won't go there so that's we just did yeah i know i know (laughs) let's talk about food really quickly because you mentioned it what has been your favorite part of like, I, I must admit, when, when we started out, we were, like, very concerned about the food situation. Yes. Like, eating fast food, convenient food, which, you know, is... We were very anxious about that. So what did we do to try to alleviate that as much as possible? Yeah, I think we spoke about it in a, one of the earlier hostfuls at the beginning of the tour about how we were going But this to, is the reality yeah, of it. Yeah, that's right. About yeah. how we were going to buy a cooler, like an Esky, yeah. and keep snacks and, yeah. you know, take that from house yeah. to house. And we, we did, did that. that. We did. We did that for the first half. Yeah, and it made a, it made a big yeah. difference. 
to be able to to know that we had fruit and veggies in the car with us. Maybe we had some cereal and milk and some snacky stuff. So mm-hmm. that really meant that we didn't have to stop all that often at convenient place, at convenience food places, fast food places. It did happen, don't get me wrong, but yeah. not nearly as often as it would have no. had we just left it all up to chance. Mm-hmm. And then it was just a matter of, I think we discovered by the time we're in Texas, if we wanted a decent meal, we had to get off the highways. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. uh, we, we went to that diner in Texas yeah. in, I forget what it was called, something um, boys. It had a, what's that night? Bowie. Oh, yeah. It was just near Bowie. Bowie. Yeah. yeah in yeah. Texas. But that was the first time we kind of, well, not the first time. It was the most memorable time, I think, that we'd gotten off the highway. Because it was really like, you know, we walked into this you know, restaurant, bistro type thing. And it's that typical thing where you open a door and everyone looks at you. <laughs> it's like, who are these out of towners? <laughs> I did really feel like Clark W. Griswold then. But it's getting off the highway and... Eating real food. Yeah, and just explore, being willing to explore a little bit. And what we found was important was to allow for that in our schedule. Mm-hmm. So we'd look at Google Maps, which was our Bible for the whole trip, really, and we'd see how long the drive would take. And let's say it's four hours. You'd add at least another hour to that to allow you to yeah, explore, exactly. to get off the highway. Because yeah. it's when you're rushing, it's when you've got to be somewhere by 4 p.m. Mm. That you're like, Which okay, we have we've got plenty of time. For sure. You eat, yeah. That's where you're like, okay, well, let's just pull in here and whatever is in this food stop, this truck stop, we're going to eat. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously not where you're going to find a good salad. Yeah, absolutely. So. We also discovered Whole Foods, albeit very, very expensive. That was a bit of a lifesaver in, in some instances. Just get a takeaway salad or something like yeah. that was was. Which helpful. you don't get in Australia. Whole Foods needs to come to Australia, I think. I think Whole Foods used to be better before it was bought out by Amazon yeah. too, is what I'm, I'm hearing. Hearing. It kind of sucks. But anyway, yeah. it did. It, it certainly we were, kept my cholesterol down. Yeah, we were very <laughs> impressed with, with that. The other thing I will say, though, mm. is I decided at the beginning of the tour to not let that kind of stuff stress me out. And that was a really important decision to have made at the beginning because there would have been days otherwise where I would have been so anxious or so uptight about the kids not eating ideal foods or me not eating ideal foods. And the reality was we were doing our best, genuinely. And that was the difference. I could look at our efforts and say, are we doing our best? And the answer was yes. And that meant that I was able to just let the rest go. Exactly. Because, I mean, what we were doing, what we have been doing for the past few months, has it's not, it's not, our, it's not normal for us. No. Nope. And that means that things, certain things have to change and give and shift. I, you're not going to be able to continue to have the same level of control over everything while doing something so unusual. And it was, I think, really important. And that's probably one of the things that we did really well was to go into it without high expectations or or really too many expectations at all. And I think that helped a lot in managing particularly my anxiety and and stress about it. I mean, I was anxious enough as it was. Had I gone in rigid about all of these different elements of it, it would have been awful. So let's talk about like a typical day. That we've had over in the, well, that doesn't actually exist. <laughs> but what I'm trying to get to yeah. is what it, how do we structure our days 
And more specifically, how do we fit like the kids schooling into that? And what did that look like? So I think there were, there were travel days mm. and then there were non-travel days. And that's really how we broke it up. Travel days, we didn't do school. Travel days were simply for travel. And if we got somewhere early or we left late, that was a bonus. But on non- And those travel days, it, on average, would be around about seven hours yeah. in the car. Yeah. And the non-travel days, we sort of fell into a rhythm pretty, pretty quickly that worked well for us. And that was something like I would get up first because you would be working late. Mm-hmm. Working Australian business hours meant that depending what coast and time zone we're in, mm. you would sometimes not get to bed until two or three in the morning. Yep. And that was tough. In that, that was the later half of the, the tour. But I would get up early, make myself a coffee, do some form of self-care, like I've mentioned before. Journaling, meditation, just sitting quietly enjoying my coffee, something like that. And the kids would get up. We would have breakfast. You would get up. We'd do three hours of school between breakfast and lunch, typically. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Three hours a day was mm. pretty much the average for school. Some mm-hmm. days less, some days more. But I think we were almost always done by lunchtime. Yeah. yeah. And then if we weren't going anywhere and I didn't have an event that night, we would go exploring in the afternoon. And that was kind of the rhythm. I mean, that's the thing about rhythms. It feels like we're in a rhythm and we were, but it didn't always look the same. Yeah. Some days it was yeah. stretched out and it felt slow and loose. And other days it felt like we had so much to get done in a day. But that was typically kind of the pattern that we followed on those non-travel days. What I've found really hard is when, you know, we'd sit down with the kids and, you know, say these three hours are dedicated to the schoolwork. So that's when we would normally do it. But some days kids don't, you know, they didn't cooperate or they might have had a bad night sleep. And so that was particularly frustrating because you were equally like, we've got to do this now. We've got to get this finished now so we can travel tomorrow Mm. Otherwise, we're going to fall way behind. And we've always tried to sort of preload everything and try and get things done quicker than we were meant to. But some days it didn't happen. So that was really frustrating. And that required a lot of patience. That was me taking me right out of my comfort yes. zone. Because I wanted to say to kids, we've got to get it done, but you can't. No. And I feel like that was something that you didn't struggle with, but you really you took time to come to that realisation mm, with time. the kids. Yeah. Was that their idea of timelines was not the same as ours correct and while we wanted to get ahead on schoolwork just by a week or so to give us that grace for the periods of the tour that were busy and there were a few where we're traveling every day and doing events every night uh, the kids energies aren't always going to match up with that and I think what we both got better at was letting go of those external agendas and everything turned out fine. Yeah. Like everything genuinely turned out they fine. Were, they were beautiful the, and they were so good. The, yeah. the kids were amazing. I yeah. mean, I know a lot of adults who would struggle to cope with what we put our kids into in mm. terms of basically removing all certainty, all... Totally. Like all that they have known. Yeah. And also all semblance of routine. Yeah. And just ask them to go along with it. And no. they did. I know they've been and not only that, like, super resilient. They have been, yeah. and they they act they they were learning from us, and they turned up at school mm. most day most days, mm. and they listened and they adapted and they've grown. It's been I mean, there, there have been tough moments, mm. but ninety something percent of the time has been 
truly astonishing to mm. see how resilient they have been with it. I mean, because you and I have struggled with things. Totally, totally. They're little, little, little people little with people. big emotions yeah. and they've, they've dealt with it really, really, really well. well. So, Isla and Toby, if you ever listen to this <laughs> podcast in many years' time, thank you. Thank you for being wonderful kids. All right, so let's do some quick fire questions, if you like. Okay. So. It's not my, it's not my forte, I will say I know, that. <laughs> I know, we'll try and keep you on a time limit here. Then the, the, the questions aren't too quick fire, but I want to try and get the answers from you in quick fire fashion <laughs> for once. What have you liked best about the tour? I've really enjoyed meeting people. Hmm podcast listeners, readers, people from way back. I've had a number of people who are like, I've been reading you since the beginning. Yeah. That's been amazing to talk, just to talk to people about Mm. their stories and their journey and what they're up to and what they find difficult and what they don't and all that kind of stuff. It's just been. You've loved connecting with people. I I really have, which. Which is not like you. Well, I know. I was going to say that, which makes me sound like a bad person. No. Being an introvert, it has surprised me how much I have enjoyed that part of touring. I must admit how much you, yeah, you've really enjoyed that. I have. Yeah. Which, not that I didn't expect to, but Mm. I just thought that I would find it more challenging, like more taxing Mm. than I have. But I've actually found that really wonderful. The other thing that I've enjoyed kind of selfishly is finding confidence in what I've been doing. I mean, the Australian tour, when I did, it was like a mini version mm. of this, only for a few weeks, mm-hmm. was very exhausting for me because yeah. I wasn't emotionally prepared for it. Yeah. And every time I did an interview or every time I did an event or every time I did anything, it I would just... full on, yeah. wasn't it? Like you just took, it took a lot out of you. Yeah, whereas this time around, um, I think I, I was much more prepared and took confidence from that Mm. and it's been really interesting to see the things that I used to struggle with that I used to find hard or challenging now feel not and that I guess is a sign of growth you know my comfort zone is expanding and while I feel like I've been living outside of my comfort zone for the last five months four or five months it's it I guess that shows that my comfort zone has grown as well and I'm just constantly sitting on the outside of it. But well, I mean, and you've grown as a person as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I've really enjoyed that. Okay. What would you do differently? If you had the chance to do this tour again, starting back in early June or mid-June or whenever it was, what would you do differently knowing what you know now? Well, that's a tricky question because I would never do a tour like this again. Okay, so you would never, ever do your tour like this again? No, no, it's not what I... I wouldn't do another one again (laughs) simply because I don't think there would be a time in our life that would be as well suited to it. I agree. Given the age of the kids, given your work, given the decision that we'd already made to travel, there would never be another time where this would work. Not for this long period of time. So, okay, with that being said, it's not doing it again, but you're doing it for the first time, but you have some insight into what, what... what it looked like, what would you do differently? Not a lot. Okay. Honestly, I Mm. think that given the circumstances, we did pretty well. I mean, I think there would be times where we tried to save 20 bucks on a hotel by staying somewhere that was cheaper. 
but we should have just stayed closer to the venue. Like logistically, that kind of stuff where you're only in town for a night and, yeah, you know, we were trying to penny pinch where possible. Mm-hmm. I would go for convenience in that instance rather than savings to, yeah. a, like, to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, so there's that. What would you do differently? I, I would structure it to have not as many events. Okay. And I know that sounds... It's kind of the whole point. Hard. <laughs> and, and you know what I would do? I, I'll, I'll rephrase it. Number of events, fine. I would try and concertina it a little bit more because I think feel the length of it was just massive and, you know, some days we'd have a week where we weren't doing anything, which was great. Like, don't get me wrong, I really enjoyed that that time. But if I was to do it again, I would make it, try and make it shorter because it's just felt so long, you know, so exhausting. Sure, I can understand that, but I think that it would feel exhausting because it is no matter what. Hmm. And the reason that we had structured those weeks with nothing on yeah. was so we could have to a recharge. Break. I, I I totally get that. It's like a catch twenty two. But right now, at the end of the tour, that's what I'm thinking. I'm for like, sure. I'm a, like this is just you know, it's gone on forever. What's been your funniest moment? <laughs> uh, <laughs> there was a, an event in Savannah. Where we had a bit of a miscommunication with the bookstore. It, <laughs> it was a bit of a gong show. It was ridiculous. But anyway. For a whole host of reasons. It didn't turn out the way we had anticipated. Didn't wasn't supposed to start when it started. Uh, anyway, there was It all turned out fine because mm. we had some really wonderful people. Oh, come. the people that came were lovely. Yeah. And we had a really, really nice sit down and have a chat kind of conversation for a good hour and a half. And it was Which is the first one we, we ever did, yeah. like the, the unstructured. Uh, but <laughs> our kids, who are very good at uh, entertaining themselves when events are on. Usually and making sort of, friends. And making friends were there. And this was like a big bookstore and it had a big kids section. And inside the kids section, there was a stage. And at one point I was waiting over where my event was supposed to start and there was no one there. Yeah, there was so me and was a whole t- heap of empty chairs and my bruised little ego sitting there. And then you came back with tears rolling down your face. And it turns out that our kids were at the front of the bookstore, <laughs> just at the beginning at the entrance of the kids section, <laughs> corralling other children in because they were putting on a show. Putting on an improv performance. Yeah, a pirate improv. Yeah. And they had like 30 kids there. <laughs> and they had outsold us by 30 to 1. And I'm sitting in the back of the bookshop going, mm, well, at least someone's having a good turnout. I do remember telling that story to you at the time going, "You one day you will find this funny. I didn't find it funny. And I'm glad either. you're finding it funny yeah. now. Yeah, that was just hilarious. But then a, a whole group of people showed up for the event. It was fine. But our kids just... Just like rocking it out. Yeah. It, it, to, to the extent where Toby wanted to put down a hat. Yeah, yeah, and, we and stopped ask, that. And ask. <laughs> yeah, the, oh, in, incredible. <laughs> we'd seen a lot of buskers in yeah. the previous few days. Yeah. And he loved giving people a couple of dollars. So he's like, well, what goes around comes around. But that is that was the funniest moment. And that's that's how, how it was a lot of time. We just didn't know who was going to turn up or what the event looked like right. and how, do you know what I mean? Like it was, there was a lot of unknown that I think 
required a great deal of flexibility yeah. and resilience. And that was kind of what I was getting at when I said that one of my favorite things to come out of the tour was confidence. Mm. Confidence to go with whatever, mm-hmm. with whatever the situation turns out to be, rather than having to know. You know, having to do media and stuff where I'd just turn up at a TV station, they're like, all right, you're on. No idea what questions they were going to ask me and just having to be flexible and adaptable enough to deal with that and also be on top of totally. stuff yeah. enough. And exactly. same with events. I mean, mm. if I showed up and they'd had set out 35 chairs but only three people turned up, then I'd just have to regroup, sit down, have a conversation with people. Mm. You know, and I think that that, like, it's brutal. It really is mm-hmm. that that not knowing, you know, not mm. knowing what each event will look like. Because sometimes we had 60 people mm. and sometimes I definitely didn't have 60. And again, I feel like I'm better for it, stronger for it, had better conversations for it. But that not knowing. For the not knowing is just. Three months, really. Yeah. I feel like there was a lot that we just didn't know for three months. was. But was, just even the not knowing as you walk into a, 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 a book event mm. that you know who's going to turn up you just sometimes you just didn't know you you have a funny story about a librarian whose son was an author yeah <laughs> sorry not a librarian a book a book uh a bookseller bookstore. Uh, bookseller. Yeah. yeah and this kind of made me feel like what i was going through was normal mm. for an author so her son had written a book it was his first book he'd been put on a book tour he was so proud and he was at, uh, it might have been where he went to university or his hometown or mm. something like that. He bought a new suit. He turned up to the bookstore. He told all of his friends and family and everyone about it. Just so proud of himself. And the only person who showed up was an ex-girlfriend who he had been hoping to impress. And I'm like, I feel you, author totally. guy. I totally. really do. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually went to a, my first book festival in Winston-Salem in North Carolina in September, which was so wonderful, partly because just to be surrounded by books and writers and readers was a treat, but also to have conversations with authors about that kind of stuff. And it turns out that everyone feels the same way that I did. Mm. It's not necessarily something that people who come to events would, would know because your experience is totally different. You're there to hear from the author. You're there to hear about the book. But as an author, like the, the voice in the back of my head just constantly berating me for anything, everything. Yeah. yeah. I've discovered after spending time with so many authors, that's like normal. Yeah. It's normal. It's, totally. I mean, it's meant to be uncomfortable, but it's something that I'm, I'm very grateful for. And I never had anything quite as brutal as, as that poor, poor guy's experience. So... What's been the hardest moment of the book tour? Hardest moment? Well, hardest thing. Hardest. If you can, if you've got an example, that would be great. I did find doing media hard. Yeah. That's where I'm still well and truly out of my comfort zone uh, because of that confidence thing, I think. But even that got easier. You know, <laughs> all right, here's, here's an honest answer. When I first asked how sales were going for the book mm. and the answer was, moderate (laughs) which is polite for saying very soft yeah that hurt yeah like that was probably one of the only times I was really brought to to tears about the whole thing because the reality was we were doing everything yeah we could possibly do to I I said yes to everything I turned up fully for everything Mm -hmm. to the point where you know I'd get to the end of the day and be completely knackered because of it and that was a choice and I was happy to do it 
but then to hear that the sales were not reflecting the effort and that's like I didn't deserve that no mm. one does but mm. it was that was hard that was hard to take if I'm being honest that's a very honest answer that's, that's an uncomfortably honest answer yeah because of course you know what I also discovered is that reality and perception are very different in these sorts of instances so people will hear that I'm on a book tour be like oh that's really nice for your publisher to put you up on a book tour are they paying for everything I'm like um no or your book must have sold really well for you to be able to do this book tour not necessarily Mm. and to learn to be okay with the the separation of reality and Mm -hmm. perception has been difficult as well and something I'm still struggling with because it's all incredible and like it's such an opportunity but I think that what people assume that means for you is different to what the reality is sometimes. And, you know, the, the amount of times of essentially a first book author, what does that mean, a first book author? <laughs> I know. Debut? Yeah, a or debut, kind of you know, and sells, you know, moderately is very rare. So I think we'll look back after your 10th book and <laughs> Please, <no. laughs> be able to... <laughs> Have more perspective on all that, but I, oh, I, for sure. I, 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 I totally agree. That that was the hardest thing, as in your, you know, we're giving it all, and we always were going to, no matter yeah. what. But then just like, oh, you know, big reality hit. But, but also, I think that that was one of the times where it would have been better for me to have zero expectation. Yeah. You know, I yeah, often yeah. talk about how expectation equals suffering. Yeah. And I wouldn't have suffered had I had no expectations there. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. And. I, I did as unconsciously as they were made that there were still expectations. Uh, and again, like, I'm just constantly learning, yeah. constantly learning. Yeah. Here's got maybe one that may stump you. <laughs> Unlike all the others, yeah, that, which have been super quick. We may need to responses. do some magical editing with this one. So if you could describe the book tour in three words, what would they be? Intense, challenging, and rewarding. No, I was going to say rewarding too. Yeah. 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 That makes complete sense. Yeah. Me. Those three words. I feel like. <laughs> exactly <it's>, like yeah. <laughs> what, what it has been. Yeah. I'd also, put, if I could put like a bonus fourth in there, I would say fun. Yeah. 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 Not every day. Yeah. But there ha- we had a lot of fun. Yeah, we did. If it just by Some of my favorite memories are just driving. Mm. Listening to music. Listening to Harry Potter audiobooks. Thank you, Stephen Fry. Thank you, Stephen Fry, for getting us through those eight-hour drives. I think you're, you're spot on with those three words. Can you just explain why it's been rewarding, knowing that, you know, maybe the financial aspect of it hasn't been? Mm. And, look, to be fair to us, that was never the plan. I agree. Yeah, totally we, would, agree. We, we were never, never no. we never looked at it as a way of recouping costs it was a completely different exercise but it's been rewarding for our family I think already I've seen that with the kids and with mine and your relationship to see what we're able to do Mm -hmm. together Mm -hmm. without any huge drama or stress has been phenomenal it's been rewarding for me particularly with my work and meeting people who have been impacted by my words like I really struggle still to even admit that but to to talk to people who 
have found some point of resonance in my story to their own or someone that they love or even just something that I have said or written at some point has impacted on them has been incredibly rewarding because I know, like I said with my, in my, um, my episode with Joel mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, it's, it's been hard for me to ever acknowledge that what I do has, has any worth. That's been something I've struggled with for a long time. Like it, like it doesn't matter. And for me to meet people to whom it, it actually really does matter has been mm. rather selfishly, uh, very rewarding. Cause I, I mean, I, you know, how much I struggle with that. So that's been um, wonderful. So for anyone who I, who has come out to an event, who I've met, who has shared some of your story or anything with me, given me a hug, given me a note or a letter, it's um, it really meant a lot to me. So thank you. I just want to share something with our listeners, something that I put up on my personal social account. I wrote it directly after the final event in in America, mm-hmm. and I think it maybe conveys some of the feelings that you were talking about. 35 events, 29 states, and 17,000 miles. That's a wrap for the slow book tour in America. I cannot even begin to describe how proud I am of Brooke McCallery and what she's achieved Lives she has touched and time and energy she has given over the past three months. She has listened, hugged, counselled, empathised, laughed and cried with her readers. She has crushed media appearances, destroyed podcast recordings and slayed book talks, all the while always turning up for our family. Brooke, I doff my hat, bow my head and smooch your lips. Thanks for giving the kids their roots and even more for giving them their wings. Thank you. (laughs) So what advice do you have for someone that wants to travel extensively with their family? Are you talking about a book tour? No, (laughs) no, no, not a book tour. Just just the, if they have ever get the opportunity to do it, what would your advice be? Do it. That would be my advice. Do it. I mean, I could talk very specific advice, but my the biggest overarching piece of advice is if this is something that you want to do with your family then do it Mm. Uh, it doesn't have to look any particular way so let go of your expectations of what it should look like because it you know in your wildest dreams it might look like a particular thing but that may not be what your circumstances allow so let go of the expectations of what it should look like and instead look at what it could look Mm. like what you would like it to look like for you, given your current circumstances. Um, and then just, I mean, look, don't overplan it, mm. I think, would be mm. my piece of advice as well. If you've got two months, then book the first week and go. And don't be afraid to make changes. Don't be afraid to shake things up. Don't be afraid to jump on a bus or a train and go somewhere completely different if that's what that opportunity moves you. Itself. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's what I want the rest of our trip to look like, a lot more of the flexibility and, a, and less of the, you know, being kind of stuck to a, a schedule. Relax into it, I guess, would mm. be my advice. I mean, mm. do all the things that you need to do. Go travel insurance. Make sure you don't have a maxed out credit card before you go or anything like that. that. Like be, be sensible. sensible. Yeah. But 
the time will never be perfect to do this. Just like the time will never be perfect to have a baby. The time will never be perfect to buy a house or move or any of those other big decisions. And there will be times that are really not good for certain things, but do it would be my advice. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Thank you for asking, Ben. Sorry, I couldn't get any quick fire responses in there. It's not really my bag. (laughs) Quick enough. Until next week. Have a good one. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.